the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So what is precious about being a Christian? We'll talk about that coming up today on Truth For Today with Pastor Emeritus Phil Howard. Make it a point to join us. The Apostle Peter, here in his first epistle, chapter 2, verses 4 through 12, uses a unique word about our faith. It is precious. It's precious being a Christian. So what makes it so precious? And why is this word so important for us? These are questions we're answering here today on our weekend edition of Truth For Today. Welcome to the broadcast. Make it a point to join us again, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 12. Here's Pastor Phil with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. What is precious about Christianity? What is precious about Christianity? Notice the word precious here in verse 4. This stone that men reject, God said, is precious to him. Look in verse, when he's quoting the prophet, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. Notice verse 7. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. Over and over, he's emphasizing the preciousness of what we call Christianity. A precious stone, precious believers, precious function. What is precious? The word precious means high cost, worth a lot, valuable, highly esteemed, uh, cherished. Uh, We think of it a lot of times, precious stones. Uh, precious jewels. Usually the word precious is used of possessions. Uh, I had the good fortune of having an Aunt Betty that called me precious. It drove David batty because he had to babysit me and I wasn't so precious. But she did that. I had childhood afflictions with my legs and she just, she was wonderful. Precious. Precious. I thought that uh, the only precious stones I really have is right there. And uh, I got one diamond missing. There's five of them. Five stands for grace, you know. And you need a lot of it when you get married. (laughs) Go ahead, man. You can can laugh. She's laughing. You need a whole lot of grace. And this one stone just keeps falling out. I've replaced it. One or two times. And now I'm just receiving the message as prophetic. I've lost my glitter. <laughs> that, that, uh, that ring 
I got a 65 and, and she bought it at a hardware store exclusive jewelry I think she says she paid 75 bucks for it. Nothing like going high class. But you see, it's precious to me. Because it's not metal and little chips of a diamond. You can barely see them that small. It's who gave it to me. It's what it represents. Now, Peter is addressing saints that are having troublesome times. And God's telling them how they can triumph in troublesome times. Because when you're treated as an alien and a foreigner, and when persecution is breaking out in certain parts of the Roman Empire up there in Turkey, or if it hasn't reached them, it's on its way. It's breaking out in Rome. Peter will be killed and he's riding from Rome. Paul will be killed when he lands in Rome. Rome is not where you want to be. And you don't want to be a Christian because they finally broke off Christianity from being Jewish to this is a separate sect and we've made political deals with the Jews but we have no political deals with these renegade weird people called Christians. And so Peter's writing to them And he says, I want to express to you three things. I want to describe to you a precious stone, a precious Savior. Two, I want to talk to you about the precious status God has given you in his sight. A precious status. And then finally, he's going to tell them eight precious sacrifices that they can offer to God. Now look at this precious stone. Uh, Jesus, in Deuteronomy 32, right on through, he, God says, I am your rock, Israel. You chose other gods. You chose rocks that could not. A metaphor in speech. A symbol of strength. A, a symbol of a high tower to hide in. Uh, you have uh, in Matthew 16, when he asks Peter, who am I? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that he said, this is the rock. This is the rock on which I'm going to build my church, Peter. I'm going to build it on that. T-. And then Peter says, I want you to be clear. The rock is in me. The rock is Christ. I'm not the rock. What I said about the rock is what he's going to, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. That's the foundation of the church. Not Peter. Peter is going to be included as a pebble stone or another piece in the foundation. But Christ is the cornerstone. So you get three views of this stone. You get God's view, the believer's view, and the unbeliever's view. Let's see which view you have. Let's notice here. He starts out saying, this stone is living. So there's a metaphor. Stones don't live. Natural stone. This is a person rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. So this stone in God's sight is special. It's chosen. This stone is precious to him. Valuable. All valuable. 
You remember he told the story, the parable of the pearl of great price. A man found a pearl of great price, bought the field that they found the pearl in, that he might have it at all costs. Jesus is that pearl of great price. He is precious. He is chosen. And then he uh, recites three prophecies from Isaiah and from Psalms 118. I lay a stone in Zion, chosen, and a precious cornerstone. These cornerstones are amazing. They have found cornerstones. One was found that was 67 feet long by 12 feet by 13 feet. That's how huge the stone was. And God is saying, this son of mine is no pebble. All right. He's no chip. He is a mighty cornerstone on which I'm going to build the church for the rest of the ages. And everything's got to fit into him, fit into him. If you read 1 Kings 6, it said that when they built Solomon's temple, that they were forbidden to make any noise on the temple site. They were forbidden to use a hammer. They were forbidden to clang and all of that. Guess what they did? I've said it before, but it's magnificent. Because they had to all fit this cornerstone, which all the angles and all the measurements were taken. They would chisel out in the quarry the stones that would be fitted into this cornerstone. And Paul picked up that figure in Ephesians. He said... Christ is the foundation of the church and we Jew and Gentile have been fitted into him. And the idea fitted there is what they did at the quarry. Cut the groove, cut the measurement, and when you bring it on site, they just slipped right in together. Anybody ever been to the pyramids? You can't put a knife in between those stones. They're that close, that engineered. The temple, there's no put knife, there's no space. They came together. Paul says, when God started building his church, he did this. The Old Testament said you had to have a temple, you had to have sacrifices, and you had to have a priest. He says, what God has started in the new covenant people, us, the church. He has taken us and he has fitted us into this living stone who is the foundation. And he's built us into a spiritual royal household. And then he turned around and said, and you're going to be my priest. And I've got some sacrifices I want you to be making to me daily. So you, when you come to Christ, see Christ became the temple. John chapter 2 Speaking of his body, Christ became the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews 5, Hebrews 7. Christ is the ultimate sacrifice. Now he's made us everything he was. We're just not the high priest. We're not the king, but he's enfolded us in him. To be in Christ is to become a priest. To be in Christ is it to be in a royal 
temple. To be in Christ is to have a function before God. I can offer sacrifices that God will accept. So God said, this stone is chosen. This stone is living. Let me keep quoting. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is called the folly of the experts. The experts ought to know which stone works. But the experts said, we reject it. It's not good enough. He goes on, a stone that causes people to stumble. 1 Corinthians 1.27, the Jews stumble over this Christ. And a rock that makes them fall. You see, you either build on this rock or you stumble over it. You either build your life or you stumble. Now, he goes on and says to the believers. This is what the father thinks of the stone. Verse 7, he says, To you who believe, the stone is precious. See, you're not probably really saved if all you want Jesus for is not to go to hell. That's elementary. Until he's precious to you, I doubt that you've ever believed in him. Until he's precious. Until he's the treasure of your heart. Until he's got a worth. that You see, the reason you sin is you like sin more than you like Jesus. See, we love sin. God's wanting to do a work in you to get you to love his son. And that's why he gives you a new birth. It's why regeneration gives you a new heart. Gives you new appetites. New desires. New passions. Says, wait, wait. Do you love Jesus as much as you used to love your drugs? Do you love Jesus more than that girl you've been living with? So now you've gone to meddling. Don't mess with my sex life. Well... In California, we got sex life and everything. We're in a state, we're trying to figure out what gender we are. We're living in a state that the, the guy I just read, uh, uh, no, it was a woman. She just had a baby. And they named the female anatomy and go tell him that this anatomy just produced this. Because I might have a baby, but I want to be called a he. God has given them over to a reprobate mind. A reprobate mind. But he said, to you who believe, he is precious. Tommy Dorsey, when he wrote, Take My Hand, Precious Lord, when he first did that song, he was coming from, from a revival. His wife was having the baby in Chicago. And he got notice, your wife's about to give birth. She's in crisis. By the time he got there in Chicago and he knelt next to her, she was dying, and she subsequently did die. And here this old black preacher and evangelist in the hard times, in desperation, he said, take my hand, Lord, through the storm, through the night. The first time he went to church to sing it, he said, started singing, he said, take my hand, Lord. And one of the mothers of the church stood up and rebuked him, said, Don't you call him Lord. You call him precious. You call him precious Lord. So he renamed it. Take my hand precious Lord. Lead me on. Through the storm. By the light. Friend. When you've been with him a while. He's not just Jesus. He's precious Jesus. 
He's not just a ticket to heaven. He's not just a rabbit's foot. When you get in the middle of a trial, when has he become precious to you? And Peter said, I've denied him. I've failed him. But he's come to be precious to me. For only he would take me back. Only he would keep dealing with me. He is a precious Savior to those who believe. A precious Savior. <laughs> then he tells you what the unsaved think of him. And basically, listen to what he says. Uh, they stumble over him because they disobey him. And they're destined for judgment. When you don't believe in him, you've set your destiny. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're destined for judgment. And he used the words two times in this passage. They rejected him. They rejected him. And the word rejected, it comes from a word to put something to the test to see if it's good enough. And you know what? The builders who rejected this cornerstone, they said, he doesn't meet the qualifications we have set for a cornerstone. He doesn't measure up to our expectations. We're looking for somebody to kick Rome out of Palestine. We're looking for somebody to set up the kingdom immediately. We're looking for someone to liquidate the Gentiles. And this, this itinerant poor boy uh, so-called prophet, he doesn't measure up. What Israel needs is something better than is this the best God you could offer? All right now, come on, I hear you. And and then basically God has said, I, I offered you my best. Yes, sir, yes, sir. I offered you what's precious to me. And they said, We count him a stumbling block, an offense. You've offended us with your gift. If that's the best you can do, we don't want him. Matter of fact, we're going to kill him. Don't. And you today, the battle in your life is, is Jesus good enough to save you? Is he good enough to be Lord in your life? Is he good enough? I'm so often reminded of my brother was coming out of being in a backslidden state, and going through all kinds of trouble. And I'm trying to get him back. He's already a whipped, defeated man. But I never forget telling him, I said, David, if you were at the foot of the cross and he said to you, David, is there any more I could do to get you to love me? Is there any more I could do to, to make you want me? And my brother with trembling lips said, wait, wait, wait. The problem isn't with him, it's with me. He could do no more than he's done. The problem is with me. I'm the failure in this thing. Why don't you admit you've not let him in because he's not become precious yet. You need to believe. This is a precious romance. God deliver you from rules. Get over the rules. Rules that save nobody. There's no rule you can keep to get you to heaven. No rule. You've got to fall in love with him who took your place. And you've got to say, I want you, Jesus. I'm going to rejoice in what you have done, what you can do. Hey, I'm trusting what God's done. The gospel is what he has done. It's not what you can do. It's what the gospel has done. Then he goes on and he tells them what 
precious status God has given those who put their faith in him. Let's look at it. What their new status before him. He says, uh, I've made you a kingdom of priests. But let me pick up verse 9. And we'll recite some of those precious things. My status before God has changed when I put faith in Christ. And he starts it. Listen to this verse 9. But you are a chosen people. Now remember, there's a lot of Gentiles here too. And the Gentiles didn't have covenants. They, they didn't have a priesthood. I mean, we were just pagan bankrupt. But now he said, but you... Now, I talked just to Israel, and that was said to Israel in Exodus 19. But now, he's applying it to these people. He said, you're a chosen people. And I, I'm amazed at how many people get mad about the idea God chooses. They just don't like, I mean, they will fight you all day about their will, and they'll deny God's will. Does God have the right to choose? I asked a man one time, I said, what do you think about this doctrine of God choosing everything? He said, well, I got to choose who I took to the prom. I guess God can choose too. (laughs) God gets to pick whoever he wants. Don't tell him who he can pick. The the amazing thing is he picked you. I mean, I did good to be picked on a team. Anybody ever just wait there? Because I, I know I was the squirt. They didn't pick me. How is it the king picked you? Why don't you rejoice over it instead of trying to figure out what God's up to? He said, I chose you. And the way we know he chose you, you've come to believe and love him. That's the way you'll find out if he's chose you. You'll come to put your trust in him and you'll fall in love with him. You'll know he's put his hand on you. Now, look what else he said he's done for our status. Uh, we've become a royal priesthood. And commentators have a lot of fun with that. What does that mean, royal priesthood? Well, number one, we're priests for a king. Jesus Christ is the head of the priesthood. He's the Melchizedek. But he's also a king priest. If you remember Melchizedek, he ruled. He was the king of Salem, Genesis 14. So, uh, you become a king in a royal royal household because the church is a royal household it's owned by the king it's been bought by the king the church belongs to Christ and if you don't like the church you don't like Christ this is his house not the building every living stone do you you know someone guy said God I love you I just can't stand Christians I love you. I just can't stand your children. But oh, I love Jesus. Oh, you don't either. I mean, it's easy to love someone you've never seen. You've never caught him in a fault. Well, the real test is, is loving us. Because you know we're flawed. And I know you are too. That's why I feel at home with you. We've all got our faults. Right? We're here promoting Jesus, not Christians can save you. We can't save ourselves. We've got a great Savior. This group ain't meant a lot. You guys barely breathe over there. What's your problem? You better clear your throat, honey. These are the Pentecostals. They're the Baptists. So wake up. Get over it. Get over it. 
talk about who you are in Christ. You ought to be able to sing. <clears throat> Get loud at least. This is wonderful. Church is a good place to say amen. amen. Right. Willie's going to love meeting this brother. I could hear him. Right. He said, you're a royal priesthood. I serve a king and I'm serving in his house. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time today spent in God's Word to encourage you to bring you truth for today. If you have questions or comments about our time together, we would invite you to write to us. You can either visit our website and drop us an email, write to us via U.S. mail, or give us a call. Another way to reach out to us with your questions would be to simply record them on your voice memo app on your smartphone and then email that audio to tftquestions at valleybible.org. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Our website, truthfortodayradio.org. And if you're writing to us, the address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. If you have questions about the ministry of Truth For Today and how we are funded to air on this radio station, we would love to talk with you. We are listener-supported, quite simply, and no gift is too small, no gift is too large. Whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly gift, it all goes back into the radio ministry, ensuring that it airs on this radio station. So would you consider that as you reach out to us here at Truth For Today? One other note as we close out our time today, while Pastor Phil is the pastor emeritus at Valley Bible Church in Hercules, we are still very much a part of this body And if you are looking for a church, we would invite you to join us. Now, we know that this current crisis has us all sequestered away. So you can join us at valleybible.org, where we stream our services. Again, valleybible.org. And then, as we find ourselves released from this quarantine, we will be meeting together here in Hercules. And for information, directions, and details, again, visit valleybible.org. And then we invite you to come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Blessed be the name.